on Friday night, we got a chance to do something fun. We had an event for the kids. And we also had one of the things that we did on Friday night is that we had an opportunity to do what we call every year the chili cook-off. And what happened was interesting. Everything that functioned Friday functioned almost exactly how we wanted it to go. Except one thing. We never had a sign up for who was bringing chili. So everything was functioning great. And then we realized it's time for the chili cook-off and for the judges to report. And all these things were supposed to happen. And two chilies came to the table. Now, <laughs> as you may have heard just a moment ago, they were delicious. But here's the problem. It was more like a chili face-off than a chili cook-off. What was crazy was we looked at it and we said, every year we have seven, eight, or nine chilies like it's like a row full of chili. Is that right? You, you, have you seen it? Have you seen these like epic chili cook-off? But here's something that went terribly wrong. Everybody, because there was no sign-up, everybody thought to themselves, somebody else will bring chili. I had at least a handful of people. Don't laugh, Nicole, it's true. About a handful of people at least came to me and said, Pastor Tony, if I had known, I would have brought chili. But here's the problem. It wasn't a chili dog cook-off. The problem was everybody else thought somebody else would do it. Friend, I'm talking to you this morning about making your moment. The problem hurts the church, not regards to chili. But the problem hurts the church when we think somebody else will love. I don't need to do that. The problem is that many of us think that way when it comes to a lot of things. There's some of us in this room that are, man, if the doors are open, you're there. But then there are others that need to be asked. Others that just think, I don't matter. So I don't need to bring anything. Now, this is not a condemnation moment. This is a real moment. That we often think in the same line of thought. And here it is. Somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else will do it, right? Somebody else will handle it. I don't need to bring my chili to the table. I don't need to bring my gifting to the table. I don't need to bring my ability to the table. And while the chilies that did show up were great, and that's the way it works, people come to the table and they participate. But sometimes... You don't just got to make the chili. Come on, you got to make your moment. And the story that I want to bring to you here this morning is a familiar story. But before I get to the story, I want to tell you that Christianity has always been about seeing life as God sees it. Is that true? Yeah. 
seeing life as God sees it. But also Christianity has always been about moving when God says to move. To do when God says to do. But the gracious God that we serve also gives us the authority to make our moment happen. So I want to talk about making your moment. And there was a newspaper that held a competition to find out how people would describe their friendships. The winning answer was this. This is, what, this is the winning definition of friendship. Ready? Watch this. A friend is someone who, who's walking in when everybody else is walking out. Not a good definition of friendship. Friendship is when, some, when everyone is walking out, but that person is walking in. And I want to tell you something. When you make your moment and you start realizing that there are people around you that are hurting, especially in the world today, would you agree with me that there's a lot of hurt in this world today? Who's with me? And, and so I would, I, would, I would submit to you this morning that while I hope you have someone in your life that's walking in to your life. Come on. I'm, when, I'm, when I say walking in, I'm talking about walking right into your living room, into your business, and they say to you, Whether you like it or not, I'm here. Whether you approve of what I'm telling you or not, I'm your friend to the end. And I'm going to tell you how it is. Whether you have one of those or not, I want to tell you something. We all need someone that will stick close to us. And when you don't have that person, there's a wonderful scripture found in Matthew 28, 20. Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How many find comfort in that verse already? He is with us even to the end of the age. Jesus chose that life so he could walk with you. He chose the cross. Not many people choose sacrifice that way. But Jesus chose the cross. Jesus chose the cross. Say with me, Jesus chose the cross. And he wanted that. And this is why he came. Emmanuel. God with us, Matthew 1, 23. So in order to make your moment, I want to talk to you this moment about how God uses us to be his hands and his feet. Let me ask you this poll real quick. Just use your hands and poll with me. Ready? How many of you have ever been in a situation where someone stood with you When you felt like you needed them so badly and you didn't know what you needed, but someone stood with you. Did you ever have someone like that? Raise it high. Raise it high. I want other people to see it. You ever had somebody like that? And if you haven't, I really encourage you to find one. Find someone that will stick close to you. Find someone that is willing to be that hands and feet of Jesus in your life. And listen, be very careful about the people you allow to be that in your life as well. Is that true? Because some of them can discourage you in the wrong direction. Especially if they're not God-led, spirit-led. Some things happen there that don't, are not supposed to happen. So today, I want to challenge you to make your moment. So, if you would turn with me in a moment here to Luke chapter 10. Come on, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. 
We'll bring the house size just up a bit here. So in case you're reading, we can uh, allow you to read. Uh, You can tap or turn with me to Luke chapter 10. And I want to read a few verses. And this is a very familiar passage for some of you. Some of you that have been in church a long time or you've been serving Jesus a long time. Or, you know, you've been to every Sunday school, you know, in your record, you know. Uh, You got a trophy in your house or the Sunday school record, you know. Some of you hold those things real dear. And thank God for our, our breakaway teachers, uh, excuse me, our freedom teachers back there. I still say breakaway. Why? It's been a long time. Our freedom teachers back there teaching. How many know that they're not just watching your kid kind of like throwing goldfish at them? Right? So did you guys know we serve fish and chips back there? Yep. Goldfish and potato chips. I'm just saying. No, I'm kidding. Um, but really, I'm not. Um, but, you know, they're back there and they're, they're pouring into these little ones. They're telling them stories. And one of those stories that they might have shared at some point, I'm sure, somebody back there shared the story, the parable of what we call the Good Samaritan. And this is one of those passages that, oh, I know exactly where he's going to go with this. You know, be like the Samaritan. Follow me for a moment because I need you to understand that it goes far deeper than that. Do you guys know that it goes far deeper than that? It's more than just being a good person. You know that there's good people that will stand before God and he will release them to all eternity without his presence. There are a lot of people that are going to hell that are good people. Good people. that did good things. Hell was not meant for you and it was not meant for me. It was meant for the devil and his followers. But there are people that think it's good. It's okay if you're just good enough and you do some good things. And I want to tell you something that is, a, that is not true. That is not biblical. You need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior to enter into heaven. Some churches won't say that. Some churches won't declare that. Some churches won't preach that. Not here. We're going to tell you how it is. You need to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Right? How many, how many know he's more than just a savior? He pulled you out. Come on, but he pulled you out so you can be something. Right? For those of you that weren't here, find the podcast. Right. Luke chapter 10, beginning of verse 30. Follow with me. If you can't, if you don't have your Bibles, I encourage you to bring them. We use them here. It's kind of important. So Luke chapter 10, we have them on the screen, beginning of verse 30. Watch this. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw a man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. I wasn't that priest, by the way. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised, everybody say despised. This is where Jesus starts to make a point. A despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion. Everybody say compassion. Compassion. He felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. 
Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. I love this story for so many reasons. We're living in a culture now that is more divided than I've ever seen in my lifetime. How many would agree with that? If I don't get an amen the whole service, that would be one at least to throw in there. Because nothing seems more divided than our nation today. We're divided by mass and unmasked, vaccinated, unvaccinated. It's, it's, it's the new black and white. It's the new rich and poor. It's now vaccinated, unvaccinated, mass, unmasked. We don't mass shame here. We don't vaccinate shame here at this church. We realize that everybody has a right and a freedom to do what they want with their body. But guess what? Nobody will be treated secondhand in the kingdom of God. You know him or you don't. Period. Now let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I want to touch on social matters a little bit for a moment. And, and I'm not going to get political. I'm not going to deal with the, the donkey or the whatever. Hello? I, I, the elephant. I'm going to deal with the lamb. Because the, the blood of the lamb, I'm telling you right now, is the one that we overcome by. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So what are we talking about here today? I'm talking about how God is looking at our character and he's deciphering from that. Not not the hue of our skin or the money in our pocket or the, the, the lifestyle you live. It does not matter the color of your skin. It does not matter how many Bible verses you quote. What matters to God is do you know the son? And there were some people in this passage here that should have known better. There were some people in this passage that knew better. But their social mind affected their matter. You notice that when it came to the Samaritan, he was defined as a despised Samaritan. Jesus was making a point. He was saying, the one that you least expected. Does anybody in this room understand when I say least expected? I'm a Puerto Rican from the Bronx who lost his dad at seven years old, raised by my mom, dealing with welfare, dealing with trying to figure things out. My mom raised us strong. And and when she found a good job, she worked it and she worked it. And when she couldn't be there, my grandmother raised us up and helped us to fill in the gaps where my father wasn't there anymore because he was gone. I should be a statistic. But somebody believed in me and didn't look at the outside, but looked at the Jesus in me and said, when you accepted, when I accepted Jesus, they looked at me and they said, when you accepted Jesus, you accepted greater. When you accepted Jesus, you became a brother, a sister. When you accepted Jesus, and I tell you today, when you accepted Jesus, you became family. And family 
does not determine whether or not you should be loved or not. You love even if you disagree. When the world says, if you don't agree with me, I disown you, I cancel you. How many know that's not the kingdom of God? Hello? I'm getting a few more amens, Alicia. I think they're catching on. Hello? Family don't cancel each other. Family don't cancel each other. Why is it that we still find ourselves canceling other believers because they don't believe like us? Since when did you become the author and finisher of my faith? I'm telling you right now that everything is about making your moment. And when you love when everybody else doesn't, you make your moment. When you, when you embrace someone that everybody else doesn't embrace, that's when God notices. You know why? Because scripture tells us how easy is it for us to love the lovable, right? How many find it easy to love the lovable? How many know some people in your life, it's easy to love them because they're just awesome? Hello? You look at you. Some of you are sitting next to me like, hi, baby. That's you. I'm watching you. Some of you have relatives, friends, family members that you just love. You just love to be around. Coworkers, some of you have people like that. That's not how Jesus necessarily is glorified. You know when Jesus is glorified? When someone don't believe like you and you still show grace. You know what happens in unsocial media? I'm mean, excuse me, social media. Hello? What happens is someone throws out their laundry out there and then someone disagrees and then they disown each other and it gets real awkward on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I saw this I saw this thing on the other day that said, when you go to your next holiday dinner, bring up politics and religion. Because it'll save you on Christmas presents. <laughs> I, I don't take credit for that. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Thanksgiving around the table. You want to you save on Christmas? Bring it up. Just bring it up. <laughs> You laugh, but some of you are like, hmm. I just just saved a bunch of my budget. But if you look at the story that Jesus was telling here with the Good Samaritan, you notice a couple things about it I wanted to kind of bring to the surface. Can I do this? Can I share with you a couple things that that just kind of stood out to me when he should? Because some of you, raise your hand if you heard the story before, right? Yeah, six of you. What is going on? Six of you. Seven, thank you. So you heard the story, right? Guy gets beat up. One turns, the other turns, the other one doesn't. Helps him out, does something unexpected. Well, a couple of things about the story that really stands out to me is this. Number one, the guy that was beat up, it wasn't his fault. Right? Not his fault. The Bible is very specific on how uh, he was beat up, but it never said why he was beat up. But trust me, because Jesus was telling the story, he wouldn't have left out a detail like that. So he was just beat up. And the way that Jesus tells it, he tells it like this guy didn't do anything wrong. So Jesus replies, verse 30, if you look at it, Jesus replied with a story 
a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked. He was attacked. He was minding his own business and he got attacked. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. God didn't ask for this. And some of you sitting in this room, some of you watching online right now, some of you listening on a podcast, you didn't ask for what's happening to you right now. You didn't ask for it. I want to tell you that. You didn't ask for that pain. You didn't ask for that problem. It came. It's unfair. It hurts. But I want to tell you something. It's not your fault. Sometimes you get dealt a bad card. You with me? This circumstance left this man in a ditch. And some of you walked in here. You feel like your whole life is in a ditch. Nothing in this story points to anything he did wrong. And I believe there's some of you in this room that should know the same thing. You know, the teaching of the day still raises even to this day, right? And it's this thought. Somehow, what did I do wrong to deserve this? Now, I'm not going to ask how many people have ever thought that because I think many of us have, right? What did I do to deserve this? In fact, uh, uh, John chapter 9, there's a passage in scripture, and I think we have this right here. And he went along and he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he's born blind? There is the teaching. That's what it was because in that day, they thought, oh, he was born blind. So who did something wrong? And that teaching, friends, look at me, is stretched to 2021. That there are people that walk around thinking to themselves, what did I do to deserve this? And I want to tell you, there's a good chance you did nothing to deserve this. But there are circumstances that come about. We don't always have control over that. You say, well, isn't God in control of all things? He is in control, but he's not controlling. And that's a very big distinction. We are not robots, nor does he want robots. He wants us to willingly love him. He wants us to willingly come to him. He wants us to be able to say, when you wake up on a Sunday morning, or you come home from work on a Wednesday night, or Tuesday night, or Friday, whatever day, maybe you have a life group that night, or you have church that morning, that you can say, you know what? I don't feel like going, but good thing my faith isn't based on feeling. Let's get dressed, honey, and let's go to church. Let's get dressed, and let's go to that uh, life group. Let me, let me wash up my face, brush my teeth, and let's go to life group. Let me get there. Whatever it takes. Because my faith isn't based on my feelings. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about how there are times even today that you would even hear on television. Or maybe a televangelist that would say, you are sick because you did. Be very leery. Be very leery about someone that says to you, you're sick because Fill in the blank. They don't know your story and they don't know your gory. Because some of you have a story and some of you have a gory. Right? They don't know what you've been through. They don't know the mess that you're dealing with. 
But be very careful because that teaching has caused people to feel like, you know what? God is punishing me because of something I did. Friend, I'm here to tell you, be freed from that today in Jesus' name. How many received that right now? You received that right now? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents. Now watch what he says here in verse 3. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Why? This will form to be his testimony. That's what Jesus said. This is going to be his testimony. This is going to be his message. He was born in a mess, but God is going to turn that mess into a message. Right? Isn't that the God we serve? We're not to judge those who need help. We just have to understand that we are the help. This Samaritan reached down, grabbed this man. When everybody else walked along past him and walked to the side and said, that's not me. I watched a video that went viral just the other day. Angered me to no end of a grown man punching a woman in the subway because she wouldn't get out of his way. And you know what angered me? Not just the fact that the man punched this woman in the face, but nobody did anything about it. Where are the men? Where are men standing up for righteousness? Where are men who are standing up for what is right? Well, that subway was lacking it that day. Disgusting. We are to be the light of the world. And how are we going to be the light if we allow darkness To continue to overshadow every single corner of our home, our community, and our workplace. You are called to be a light. You matter. You have Jesus in you. Make it matter. Make it matter. Hello? Make it matter. Make the fact that Jesus in you changes everything. Make that matter. Number two, not only is it not his fault we realize in the story that inaction is a sin. There's a sin of commission. That is a sin that we commit. And there's a sin of omission. The sin of us not doing something God told us to do. And that's very real too. We don't want to talk about the sin of omission. Because we dodge it. We think God's grace is going to help me do this. I'll do only the things he asked me to do that I like. And all the things I don't like. I'm going to dodge them until he gets somebody else. Somebody else will make chili. Are you with me yet? Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will love that person. You know what? Person number one, the priest. Somebody else will help the Samaritan. That Levite priest in the household, which is the assistant that you see in in that translation. He says, somebody else will help him. I I walk around him. And then the third one walked up and said, I am the one. I am the one. The sin of omission. Inaction. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him. Hello? Hello? Hey, you got jacked. Dude. Right here, real bad, man. You might want to get that looked at. Yeah. 
what the what? <laughs> left the dude there. Just left him there. Excuse me, I got things to do. I got a football game to go to. I got, I got, I got to, listen, I got to go to church. I got no time for you. Oh, where was the priest going? Don't act like I made that up. Did I read that wrong? Should we go back? Did I I read that wrong? He's headed to the temple. Is that right? The temple assistant. He knew all the scriptures. You can know a lot about God. Doesn't mean you know God. You can know a lot about God. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Y'all know somebody that know more scripture than you, but they, they don't know Jesus and you know they don't know Jesus. I love it when people come to me, they start quoting scripture and then you look at their life, you're like, yeah. there's no balance there. They know all the right words to say, right? Like those kids in Sunday school, they're like, Jesus is the answer. Like who did this? Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. Right? There's people that live their lives that way. They know all the right answers, but they don't know Jesus. All they do is they put a do not disturb sign because I'm about my own business. Do not disturb. Don't bother me with your business. I have a place to go. Come on, church. Make your moment. Nobody's going to make your moment for you. Make your moment. Decide to reach out and love somebody. Do you know somebody that's going through something? Turn off the TV. Give them a call. Take the time to get on a phone call with somebody. Take the time to have some coffee with someone. Hello? Get in a life group. Connect with somebody and say, you know what? I'm going to make an effort to be a part of something bigger than me. It doesn't happen by itself. You have to make your moment. Somebody say, make your moment. moment. It's not going to be handed to you, right? We all get 24 hours in a day, all the same. We all get cut from the same 24 hours we all get to do, right? We can't make extra time. But take off the do not disturb off your body and love people the way God called us to love. Number three, it takes one person to make a difference. Look at verse 33 to 35. Then a a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Church, we need to continue to feel compassion for people who are lost, period. End of story. Feel compassion. Listen, our job is not to look at sinners and go, you are a sinner. They don't know what that means. Stop telling sinners that they're sinners. Tell them that there's hope. They don't know what sin means. Some of them do, a little bit, but they just means you messed up. What they really need to know is that there's hope. And that hope you found when Jesus saved you from yourself. Because we have a tendency to go our own direction. And God says, I have a direction that's so much better. Give me a chance and I'll show you. Amen? So what happens is we think somebody else will do that. I don't need to do it. But it takes one person to get the beans and the meat. I'm sorry, no. To reach people for Jesus. I'm sorry. To reach people. (laughs) 
No, and it's not your fault. We should have had a sign up, by the way. So it's not a condemnation moment. But, but, but it is a moment that we, we kind of establish, isn't it? Somebody else will do it. We've all felt that way. Somebody else will do it. I, I'm, I could do that. I could serve, but somebody else will serve. I could love. I could give, but somebody else will love and give. It takes one person to make the moment. Due to religious and radical racial differences of the day, there was no time that most people thought that Samaritan had. But Samaritan made time. That Samaritan made time. Trust me, he was headed somewhere. Probably going to do something just like the other two were. But the Samaritan wasn't a superman. He just did what he could do. Sometimes the heart of God is stopping people along the way and helping them. And Jesus made a clear statement at the end of that whole passage. And here it is. You ready? Go and do likewise. That's the whole premise of the story. Go and do likewise. Love God, yes. Love people, yes. How do you change the world? Not by stepping over them to go to where you're going, but to reach your hand down and pull them up. So here's my challenge to you today. Because the challenge is really simple. Go and do the same, right? But ask God right now, right where you're sitting, right at home, right on the podcast, right where you're sitting there right now, say to God, Lord, help me make my moment. When somebody comes across my path, help me not to think, oh man, I really hope somebody helps them. Man, you know, there's a need for this, whether it's ministries. Listen, I'm telling you right now, post-COVID is some of the most difficult years of ministry and months of ministry that I've ever experienced. I've never, any leader in the house that has met with me, many of you know what I'm talking about. The struggle that is trying to get ministry going when people won't come is very difficult. Serving God, don't wait for somebody else to serve God. Step up and say, I want to serve. I want to be a part. And if you don't know how to, show up at a life group and start there. You can go to a connection. Stop there and say, how could I serve? How could I be a part? You know why? Because this is very rare. When you find people that just say, hey, I'm here. What can I do for you? Oh, it's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be times... Something he's done. Listen, after a long day of fallout, you know what we're doing? Taking the stacks of chairs and putting them, lining them back up. Why? Because we want a place for you to sit here this morning. That didn't just magically happen. Hello? How many know you can press a button on the computer and something happens? How many know we wish you had a button that all these chairs would pop out of the ground? Hit another button and it goes away. We need an engineer to help us make that happen, by the way. So a couple guys get together and make it happen. But until then, it takes people, it takes servants to see the kingdom of God work and move forward. Amen.
How many know that we have to make our moment? Pray with me, would you? Father, we decided today that, Lord God, this good Samaritan wasn't just a story. It was a lifestyle you called us to. To love you and to love people. Sometimes it feels like loving you is a lot easier than loving people. And some for some, it's a lot easier to love people than to know who God is. But you haven't called us to either one. You called us to both. So today I'm asking you, Jesus, allow us to be a people that make the moment happen. Make it happen. I'm asking you today, God, help us to be right with you. Because when we're right with you, everything else makes sense. Lord, you put them together. We don't always understand why things happen. I get that. But we do understand one thing. You are sovereign and you're coming back again. You are ruler and reigner, Lord and savior. And you're going to crack the sky and come back for your people. I want to be ready. We want to be ready. So we're hands up all across the room right now. Come on, hands up all across this room. Father, we submit ourselves to you holy unto you holy that means all of us holy unto you father we are in desperate need of a savior that showed us how to love and we got that now we need to love others our neighbors and pray for our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers and our friends at school help us to be that and do that in jesus name we pray all of god's people said